0: The American 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 the American 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 This is Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. We never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Eric Harthen. That's the voice there. Thank you, Juan Velasquez, for for producing this show, thank you, Premier Networks, and thank you, you, for listening and joining me on this journey. It's not, you know, you. It's not for the faint of heart. This is uh this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing, and I, I feel like I, I come into these this show and I each time and I go, well, what a, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> when you're in a time of chaos. The confusion gets high. There's so much going on all the time. If you watch it like a sporting event, it's, you know, it's 20 football games a week is what it feels like. It just feels like a lot of stuff all the time. And it puts you in various emotional states and makes you wonder about where it is all going. And again, when a place of high contrast, high chaos, there is high growth, as you hear me say on this show, and it is absolutely true but there is also, it's intense and it's fast and it's fast change for everyone. And I was, obviously I come into this with an intent to give you a perspective so that we can, because obviously I I obsess over it, maybe more than you do, probably, <laughs> more unhealthily than you do, watching more news and more programming than you should, and than anybody should. Um, but I do it because I've gotten to a point where you can see the beauty of it. You can see the grace of it. The the when you can see the whole broad picture, and that's the thing about politics. It is about broad view. If you're gonna count the score in every minute, you're gonna go crazy because uh, there's gonna be wins and losses all the time, and it's gonna just, you know if you're if you're deciding whether or not the war is being won from the end of a gun muzzle, you're just not gonna know. Um, but I do this because I I, I want everyone to see. How beautiful it is, what, how every reaction has the equal and opposite counter reaction. And it's not even that because something that's born in fear, what matches in the desire not only exists in those who are witnessing this, this, this terrible thing happening and recognizing that that's something they don't want and then putting their attention to what they do want, but it also is, exists even in the individual. You know, the racist doesn't want to be racist. <laughs> You're like, what? They seem to really enjoy them their racism. Yeah, well, why they do it and how they've identified it and what they've become as a result of that focus, it definitely is preoccupying their their consciousness, but they don't want to live in fear. They don't want to live in a state of ignorance. Um, they wanna be accepted, but they see things as a battle of who's accepted, who's not accepted, that it's a it's a war between Those who look one way or are one way or another. Right. It's just it's it's ugly and it's squishy. But I want to talk about where I think I am in this, because um, obviously I get in very I have a very human reaction to what's going on. And then I want to talk about where some of the, you know, the Fox News Breitbart uh, Republican side, that bubble that uh, and where that bubble is. And I want to talk about uh, where the rest of the nation, which is the vast more of the nation, which I think is I, I share some sentiment with, which is it, it's the Tom Petty line. Waiting is the hardest part. Once you because, right, we had this new circumstance of chaos, right? We had this Russian interference with Hillary and Trump. And we got this malignant narcissist president who is a part of us, is in this guy, whether you want to accept that or not. We as a society manifested Donald Trump because of the lesson we wanted. And we've talked on this show before about the alternative, had Hillary become president, it would have been like Groundhog Day. There'd be six more years of of tribalism and unknowingness. You wouldn't get the the reckoning we're getting in the sexual reckoning. You wouldn't get the racial reckoning we're getting. All of those things wouldn't have been one 100th as clear to us all had we not manifested the uh the temporary federal and many statewide control of the haters and i and i and i don't want to just put republicans in that box because it isn't just republicans and it isn't just democrats um That's the point. We have to keep remembering this isn't a tribal thing. This is a who are we thing. This is a what do we want to be? Do we want to understand what men and women need and want sexually and when it's appropriate to do one thing or another and when a power over another person makes your sexual predation even more dangerous? You know, do we want to understand that or do we want to just stick with the old plan of, uh, you know, genders being oppressed or treated like crap and nobody talking about it? Obviously, we're not going that way. Right. Do we want to understand what the presidency means to us? That's one of the great lessons that's born in watching this malignant narcissist with the attention span of a goldfish. Uh, and if you haven't heard that analogy, it's a funny one because you know you can picture a goldfish who kind of goes from one end of the tank to the other and goes ooh a new side, and then goes over and goes ooh a new side, <laughs> and never quite realizing. We assume, obviously, we're. Uh, Bestowing a lot of uh, con- a lot of simple mindedness on the goldfish, perhaps he's so incredibly peaceful and content that he enjoys both sides, no matter how many times he's seen them. <laughs> but anyway, we have a president who has the attention of a goldfish, and that is kind of universally agreed upon, left or right, Republican and Democrat, is whoever's the last person who gets to talk to him, uh, basically gets the policy or gets the the last word. You know, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But the immigration thing that's going on right now with DACA is a perfect example. He was completely ready to, yes, absolutely, let's go with the majority of both the the Democrats and Republicans, something that would easily pass, a bipartisan bill that would take these DACA recipients. Now, again, just to give you a little context, don't forget, these are hundreds of thousands of people who were brought here by their parents. They were raised here. That's all they've known as America. But even more than that, they went through... They went through a contract with the United States of America. The United States of America, during the Obama administration, made a contract with them that said, "If you will do a background check, so we make sure you don't have a criminal background, and if you will have a job, or you will go to school, or you will join the military, and you do these necessary steps, and you you know learn English, all these different things, if you will, if you will, not that they couldn't already learn, they already knew English <laughs> because they were born and raised here, uh, or effectively not born here, but raised here." If you follow all of those contracts, we will honor you and allow you to be uh, that type of citizen, the deferred action, you know, deferred child action, DACA, and let you continue to participate and be a contributing member of society. It couldn't have been a more widely appreciated thing left to right. And Donald Trump was on it, too. But then the goldfish got in front of Stephen Miller and John Kelly and the uh, hardcore white nationalists within the White House, and they said, eh no we don't want any of these folks and it all got thrown out and so now we're in a potential government shutdown on friday because of the uh disconnect between saving folks that followed the contract that america sent to them and saying no throw them behind a wall it doesn't make any sense so that and there's so much more things like shithole and what have you that occurred in our america god bless america when we return to possibility politics This is Possibility Politics. I'm Jeff Stein. This is the place where we look at this great experiment called America and try to leave her better than we found her. Um, but she's going to be fine. She's always fine. She, isn't that funny? That's one of those great leftovers, too. You call a woman or a ship, I mean, you call a ship or a country, something big, men would go, well, we're going to call that a woman out of, out, of, out of respect, which was a weird uh, counterbalance to the fact that, that it was not lost on men for centuries. They were oppressing women. Obsessively, and they were considering them property. So, hey, why not name ships after them? Because that's some sort of that makes it okay. Anyway, uh, all of these things are going to be looked at. You know, my kid, my kids, my my, my friends' kids—they're gonna they're gonna look at this and go, "Wow, you guys used to do all that. You used to do all this weird stuff with with this <laughs> with these, with your gender relations <laughs> that made everything messy and ugly." And look at the reckoning, for instance—that's what we keep calling it now, which is a great name. I love that. Uh, the latest one is Aziz Ansari, uh, the actor of Master of None, who was up for a. You know, I, I have the movie in my my desk, of course, because uh, it's a Screen Actors Guild after movie. They've got an award for that. It was up for Golden Globes. Um, anyway, you probably heard this story: a woman from his past suddenly said that uh, she felt like he she was wronged wronged sexually when they went out. And if you haven't heard the the story, once again, you know he met this woman at a bar. I don't know where he met her. Uh, They started having the exchange numbers, started having text conversations. And after a few text conversations, they arranged a date. They had a date. They got together and uh, it got sexual. He took her back to her house and it it got sexual and oral sex and all kinds of good, well, lots of details, which has got to be fun for Aziz Ansari's family, right? (laughs) It's like you come home and it's suddenly like, hey, everybody, let me just say out loud. Yeah, right? (laughs) Stories about me and my dating habits. Isn't that great? Now you all know. Uh, But hey, I look at it like the more we dialogue about this, instead of just pretending like we're not doing that with each other, you, know, you don't like oral sex? Okay, you don't have to, but let's not make it a thing. Like, oh my God, you know, we're taking the oh my God out of a lot of this stuff, and that's good. But anyway, apparently, this woman, through what she calls verbal and nonverbal cues, I love that description was uh, not, didn't like the way it was going down. And then on their way home, she texted him, said she, or contacted him, said she was crying. And then Aziz immediately owned it at the time. And then again, and said, hey, I, I did not know that that was the way it was being received. I couldn't be more apologetic. I'm sorry. I don't want, I, that was never my intention. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. What else can you do? Because ultimately, dating is going to happen because we like our sexual relations, and we shouldn't stop liking it. It's freaking awesome, right? That's part of our humanity. Yay! Um, uh, uh, but there's going to be disconnects. There's going to be moments when we don't necessarily are on the same page or the same crotch, and so <laughs> we got to work that out. Well, here's a great example. When people were all upset. And there were a handful of you know folks on Twitter who were like, "Aziz needs to go. His career is over." But that was by far the minority. My favorite headline was the op-ed page in the New York Times where the author wrote, Aziz Ansari is guilty, dot, 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 of not being a mind reader. I thought that was awesome. And so we're, we're getting context and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know how much I talk about that, especially the sexual reckoning. Context is everything because we're not going to know. I mean, obviously, you get the Harvey Weinsteins and the Donald Trumps who are just predators. Uh, Weinstein vastly worse than Trump sounds clearly, but still guys who just feel like they have the right to go grabbing what they want, saying what they want, tonguing what they want and. But there's the vast remainder of us who are just going to get into a situation where I'm not sure what you meant. You're not sure what you meant. And it's amazing. I've been talking to some of my male friends, and some of them are quite scared. They're like, I'm scared of dating again. I'm scared of getting around women because they can just kind of suddenly go, he's a predator, and now it's up to me to be guilty until proven innocent. Don't go there with your fear. Uh, One, if you focus too much on your fear, you're going to manifest it eventually, you don't want that. You don't want that manifesting. If you spend all your focus being afraid that some woman's gonna, or some date, male or female, is gonna see you as a predator, then you're gonna manifest somebody who makes that accusation, even if you're not a predator. So don't go there, first of all, just as a, as a, as a lesson in consciousness. But secondly, to help you not go there, let me give you some new truth. Recognize your own intent. You know, if you're quite convinced that you mean well, that when you have sexual relations with someone else, you want it to be a mutually beneficial experience, and that is the best kind of experience, uh, and you are endeavoring to make that clear to people that you, you know, relate to, then you'll be fine. Remind yourself. That if you have that character in your heart, if your intention is good, you'll be fine. And even if you stumble upon some sort of accuser, it won't stick, it won't go, it won't be believed because people say, nah. Hell, they got people willing to defend Roy Moore. <laughs> and he was, he is guilty. So you'll find uh, your people that defend you. That's a bad example. But the point is, is that if it, keep your heart clean, keep your heart pure. And I don't mean that in like a, some sort of devoutness or orthodoxy, but in terms of... Being honest with yourself. How do I feel about this? Do I, am I, am I, you know, getting a little too drunk and losing my sense of perception? And if I am, maybe I should stop and ask, are you good? Are we good? You know, are, you're good, right? Okay. And don't just, you know, be, be aware, be honest and say, this is mutual benefit, right? You can say, oh, this, this is mutually beneficial, right? And then you'll, the other person will say, no, I need to leave, you know, or not. But, uh, <laughs> This is great. So that's why I think the Aziz Ansari story is an awesome one because now we've set another bear border and said, okay, clearly this guy didn't do anything wrong other than a miscommunication that he immediately rectified. Good, good. We are learning. We're separating the predator from the you know the good guy, good girl, good lady, good boy, good man. <laughs> See, we have to even be careful of turns. Boy, girl, uh, you know, man, uh, man, lady. Uh, but it's good; it's happening, and we're just going to continue to grow this one. I think this is this is one of those ones. It's like the gay rights thing that kind of just happened very, very fast. I don't know if you know that was one of the fastest shifts in uh, in polling from being opposed to being for. It happened in the course of about a two year period. I mean, obviously, it was thousands in the year, years of, in the making, but it happened very fast. So, and then the next thing, okay. Let's talk about, uh, you know, because I look at it, I think a lot of people uh, who like me, like you, who are watching the news, you're afraid it's going to be normalized, right? That this chaos is going to be normalized. And there's two parts to that, okay? Uh, the first part is that you do have to normalize a little bit for your own sanity, Meaning, you got to still be able to, you know, go to your job, go hang out, and watch your movies and watch your sports and enjoy yourself without uh, being constantly preoccupied with the fact that damn Donald Trump needs to be removed, um, you know, because he's awful and it's a it's a, it's a cancer that's left untreated, and you you know start using all this different language that makes you convinced that uh, that raises the urgency and scares you and scares you, and you don't want that in your head, <laughs> first of all. But if you want the antidote to it, it's it's to see that, yeah, you know, humans will adapt to a a situation that's crazy. But part of the reason why we are in this holding pattern is because we do believe in the rule of law and we do believe in this democracy called America. And that means that you use due process to handle things. You don't do it by mob rule. We kind of elected <laughs> the mob, sort of elected this guy and, and others. But uh, when it's deti- determined that this no longer works, you got to go through due process, you know. And and so I know one of the things I wrestle with is I go, oh my God, November feels a million miles away, right? Because that's kind of the next major change, even though we've had Virginia and we've had Alabama and we've had Oklahoma. There have been a series of special elections, and I'll give you a little tidbit here. Even though you can't, again, I just I'm contradicting what I said before, where you don't want to live from battle to battle. But uh, one news that just broke is a Democrat in Wisconsin. Just one Democrat, Patty Schachtner. I assume that's how you pronounce her name. I haven't heard see, heard it in, uh, other than in print. It's a state senate seat. So for state for the state senate, okay. In uh, and she was a former chief medical examiner for St. Croix County. Well. Her Republican predecessor, Sheila Harrisdorf, she held the seat since two thousand one, but she went to go be Governor Walker's agriculture secretary, so that vacated the seat. All right, she won her last race in twenty sixteen by twenty six percentage points. The Republican won by twenty six percentage points. Trump beat Hillary in this Senate district, Senate state Senate district by seventeen points, and of course Mitt Romney won there soundly too. Also. In this race, a bunch of money was dumped in against the Democrat and for the Democrat. 50000 from conservative Americans for Prosperity. That's the Koch brothers. Uh, the Wisconsin Alliance for Reform and Wisconsin Chamber of Commerce threw in 80000 or Manufacturers and Commerce, threw in another 80000 So on a state Senate seat, that's a lot of money being thrown at you. Okay, because usually you spend $40,000, $60,000 maybe to get reelected, depending upon the state, depending upon the district. And now here's $130,000 thrown against you. On the Democratic side, Greater Wisconsin and the National Democratic Redistricting Committee put in 40000 between the two of them, ten and 30000 So Democrat PACs put a little bit of money in, but not much. All right? Yesterday, the result, a seat won by 26 points by the Republican, was just won by 11 points by Patty Schna- Schachner. Schachner. S-C-H-A-C-K-C-H-T-N-E-R Very German, very Midwestern And 11 points, people! That's, and that's the way it's been going One special election after the other In fact, uh, this was such a big deal that uh, Paul Ryan had to weigh in and say this is a wake-up call Even Scott Walker, Mr. Koch Brothers Governor of Wisconsin Senate District 10 special election win by Democrat is a wake-up call for Republicans in Wisconsin Donald, I mean, Paul Paul Ryan, I know this district fairly well. It's not my district. It's over in western Wisconsin, but typically we've held this seat. Yeah, pretty much always. And we lost this seat last night, Ryan told reporters. So, yeah, I think we should pay attention to it. Well, are they paying attention to it? Not yet. <laughs> it's full steam ahead with the policies and the ideas that Patty Schnack, sorry, Patty, uh, ran on. healthcare. Equitable tax systems where the rich pay their fair share, share, and the middle class and poor aren't put the the deficit isn't thrown on their heads for the rich tax cuts. Uh, things like equality, things like racial decency, all of those things were going on, and that's why they won. And the point is, is that Democrats and independents are coming out of the woodwork. One of the annoying things about um. If you're a democracy geek and you're on the left, you've probably heard this. This Is for sympathy for my Democrats. It always frustrates them because if everybody was required to vote, Democrats would win way more elections. There's all uh, of the folks that sit out and don't vote. The vast majority of them would would vote or are leaning towards Democratic votes, but they don't show up. (laughs) Well, that changed in Virginia, in Oklahoma, in Alabama, and the numbers. You know, another thing about if you're a democracy geek, you know special elections scare you because they're unpredictable, they have low turnout, and the only people who consistently show up are seniors, which in this current era of the last 10, 20, 30 years, seniors have obviously voted much more reliably uh, Republican and uh, quite frankly, white nationalist. So uh, that's where those folks are. Not all of them, obviously. Uh, we all know seniors that are that are progressive and liberal and we know seniors that are conservative and whatever. So, But the point is is statistically speaking, that's where they show up, that's what they do. And when vast numbers of younger people show up, Democrats tend to win. And in these, every one of these special elections, Since the election of Donald Trump, every one of them, the numbers of showing up by young, new Democrat voting, whether they were Democratic or before or not, it's not important. They're voting Democrat because they're voting opposition. They're voting uh, for people who are saying, no, 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 minimum wage, good. Uh, Corporate profits, not a priority compared to DACA or minimum wage or what have you. So the change is big. The change is fast. And uh, so that gives you a little, little tidbit of what's going on. So there is evidence. There is scoring as well. And this reckoning is coming too, but it's the I, I'm with you. I assume you're feeling it like I am, where it's like the waiting. Again, Tom Petty, waiting is the hardest part because you just kind of have to let those that are in power continue to be in power until you can rectify that situation <laughs> with the next election. But oh. oh it's coming it's coming hard it's coming fast okay so uh when i come back i want to get into well let's let's do talk about the racism just a little bit and shithole and haiti versus norway when we return to possibility politics This is possibility politics where we feelize our way to a uh, saner future. I'm Jeff Stein Thanks Juan man always for uh, putting this thing together and fixing my screw ups and what have you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, these look good. you didn't know I made any screw-ups did you? <laughs> All right <laughs> but I feel you I-, I feel you with what the bottom line is with the angst if you're if you're a democracy geek and you're watching it and that is that you know whether it's tribalism, or racism, or genderism, or cronyism, or profiteering off of the rich, off the starvation of the middle class. All of these things, if I say this to you, the word is probably going to pop into your head is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And and I feel it. It's unacceptable. What's going on is unacceptable. The direction we have turned is unacceptable. Unless you're a rich white male, this is not good, the direction we're heading. And so you want to... You, you, you search for evidence that, because I started asking, I asked Executive Brian before I started the show. I said, you know, man, just, what are you hoping for? When you when you look at the news, what are you hoping for? Because obviously, and, and he was very very candid, like most of us, like me. You, you enjoy the sport of it. You enjoy the, you know, someone discovering a massive hypocrisy or a massive, uh, Uh, Where your enemies, if you will, are discovered to have been uh, exposed for their, their, their evil, their darkness. And we love that sort of stuff. But what are you hoping for? What you're hoping for is a few more people to wake up or even just quiet down. And what I mean by that is like, you, you notice that there, it peels off all the time. I have many, uh, again, I come from a family of Eisenhower Republicans, and not only from my family, but many of my friends who are, you know, diehard. who actually, I know, I know Republican strategists, folks who work in the industry of uh, politics, obviously. And they are, most of any of them, most and many of them get it. They see it. They see that this is unacceptable. Um But they're in the process where, you know, by the nature of their jobs or the nature of uh, what they're required to do, they have to just try to turn lemons into lemonade and uh, pretend to a degree like everything's fine. uh, Almost hoping. I mean, I have some Republican friends who are just hoping for Bob Mueller to hurry up and get this guy out of there because there's no other way to remove him. The Republicans won't remove him. Or they're hoping that, um, you know, that, that, that they'll lose their electoral butt in November so that it will make the course correction that they believe the party uh, should be making to get the Republican Party back to what it used to believe in, uh, human ideals, labor ideals, fairness, decency, uh, equality. <laughs> uh, these used to be, uh, you know, especially even things like the environment. My gosh, Republicans were conservatism of the Republican Party. One of the key platforms was protecting land, protecting America, not just for hunting and fishing, but for all to use, national parks and what have you. And they're like, nah. Throw up some oil wells. It's cool. Let's do the let be the party of oil wells. No, that's that's not working. That's unacceptable acceptable to most people. So, you know, there are people waking up every day, and it's already a huge majority. And again, I give you examples of elections that are making even more putting it on paper, so we have a scorecard too. But the other thing I've noticed, because I try to you know visit those pages of Facebook. Where my Trump supporting friends are still just kind of in their world, saying how great he is, MAGA, still got the hashtag, still saying he's kicking ass, and uh, you know they don't, they don't forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do, uh, and I don't mean that just to belittle them or say, oh, Jeff, I'm so I'm so superior to them. It's just that I watch them, you know, as parsing through facts to support their ideal, and I get it, I get it. You know, I, I was certainly guilty of looking at Obama and and not necessarily. It took me uh, I had to uh, had to uh, sharpen my curiosity and my broadness of view to recognize his failings. And then once you do, it's weird. Once you recognize that the person you've kind of put your life behind, your candidacy behind, your identity behind, uh, is is failed and is flawed, you calm down. You don't. Um, it, it, it reduces your victimhood. It doesn't make you so combative because you can say, yeah, no, no. Because I have a lot of my Republican friends said, yes, Donald Trump has the attention to of a goldfish. He is a moron. He is an idiot. He is all these different things. He's mentally challenged, all this stuff. They'll go through the list of all the different things everybody understands to be true about him. And then they'll say, but you know what? Uh, we're getting through some Republican ideals. I want these tax cuts. And uh, he won't really do any damage, you know. He's contained. Uh, they they just minimize and lessen the damage he's doing. And it's like, okay, all right, whatever uh, helps you sleep at night. Um, but there is a two America, uh, and the bubble continues to be the bubble. I got a lot of friends who are over there, and you and I do. You tune into Fox News, and you could see why you could either suspend this idea that he's not racist or that it doesn't matter that he's racist. It's not really the point. You know, it's okay. Why Wiser makes a big deal about racism, right? And, and we had some big stuff uh, in the news recently, as you know, when he called <laughs> the countries, Haiti and Africa, uh, shithole countries, and why don't we get more people from Norway? And they tried to spin it. You know, they tried to make it seem like, oh, when he met Norway, he met Norway because they work hard. You meant that it's a, it's a hard-working country, which always cracks me up because, by the way, statistically, I don't know if you knew this, that Norway, is of all countries in the world, has the second shortest work week. So, technically, actually, they work less than almost anybody. It's <laughs> just a funny little truth. It's like, what? Uh, but that's not—that in of itself isn't, isn't the point. The point is, is that you want people from Norway instead of Haiti— And what's the big difference between people in Norway and Haiti? Uh, You know, it's not a work ethic. (laughs) It's the color of their skin. So the racism is obvious. And it's so palpable. And it's so visceral. And I'll play a clip here in a second after we come back Too is that uh, because it it just sits there and, and you say, how does this exist? How do people not notice this? They don't. Tune over to Fox News. They're talking about a well, of course, these are shithole countries. They've got uh, they've got houses made out of scrap metal and this and that. It's like okay, so they're going to highlight the poverty and 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 justify that. Uh, they went on the hard work thing, and then Eric Trump went on uh, and he defends his dad by saying, "Dad just creates things as as his money." You know, he looks at Norway's a successful; it's a country that doesn't have much debt and it's doing. It's got good financials, and uh, these other countries have bad financials. And so he just means it that way. And so if you're watching Fox News, uh, and then, you know, I'm going to play a clip in a second here of Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, who spoke to the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, uh, who looks Norwegian, and she has got a name that's either Swedish or Norwegian, which is pretty amazing. You can't write this stuff. You can't script this stuff. And uh, he, and I'll play the clip in a second, he got very emotional about it. And on the Fox News crowd, they turned it into Laura Ingram's talking about, oh, he should win a Best Actor award, you know, for his performance and his grandstanding. And so there is a bubble still of people who either are racist, (laughs) and so they go to this bubble to find out that their racism is okay, or not really happening, or uh, they're just in denial of the racism. I think uh, Executive Brian had this great way of, of of saying it. That the thing it says he always says it drives him craziest about Trump supporters is that they always spend their time explaining what he says by what he really meant. You know, Donald Trump will do something when he calls it a shithole country and said he'd rather have Norwegians than people from Haiti. Uh, they spend all their effort saying, "Well, this is what he meant," and you want to ask yourself a real serious question about that. Is that how you want to defend? You know, it's like, I mean, people have probably been in a relationship or have had a spouse like that where that your your, your your husband gets drunk and says dumb things and he goes, well, you know, he's a good guy. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Well, you know what? He said it <laughs> and he keeps doing it. And if he doesn't change the behavior, if it's a one-off, that's great. But as you can see with the racism and Donald Trump, this has not been a singular circumstance. God bless the news for actually going. again, you're not going to see it on Fox News. But the other news agencies went through and remembered all the hits, right? The Khan family and how he dissed them because they were Muslim. And the Mexicans being rapists and drug uh, you know, drug lords. And the way that the, uh, the, the, the judge of Mexican descent, Curiel, I think he wasn't even Mexican, he was Nicaraguan or something. And he had been in this country born and raised. That he couldn't uh, do a fair case, remember that? Because he was, uh, cause he was Mexican and uh, and then what else there, there's the the family the, the gold star family uh, attacking the not knowing the name of the guy and then attacking the Frederica Wilson the congresswoman because she looked you know black so the racism is there but they're not here to the other side so when we come back I do want you to feel it though because uh, the side of sensibility is rising up rise up as they said in Hamilton that when we return to possibility politics Thank you for listening to Possibility Politics. I'm Jeff Stein. This is where news and life meets optimism and patriotism. And, um, gosh, yeah. Good news, by the way. Another good news. The Olympics. I hope you saw about this. The North Koreans have put together a contingent, and there's obviously been some discussions, and they're working with the South Koreans, and they're going to have them come down and, and send their athletes and this and that. So that's awesome. Well, apparently, they have just put together a North Korea-South Korea joint hockey team. And they're going to play together. So that's what I'm reading right now. I assume that will go together. That is amazing. See that as encouraging. And I know. I know my trump supporter friends versus see Trump worked his his rhetoric ramping up worked. It worked. Okay. Um, you know what? I don't even care. I, I don't. If you want to believe that, great. Uh, it, 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 you put it on the pile of things he's done right. Great. On uh, a very small pile. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Seriously, though, take credit for it. I don't care. But I'll tell you what the experts say. Those who have worked in diplomacy in South Korea, North Korea and America and all the different diplomats for centuries, uh, they attribute it effectively to Kim Jong-un after Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-soon. They're reaching the end of the rope. It's one thing to be a hermit kingdom. And then they had this idea, of course, that if they got nuclear weapons and they could fire one or two or three, maybe uh, they would be able to play at the table. And so Donald Trump is actually showing up on a timing situation, much like when Ronald Reagan said, tear down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev, right? And he did tear down the wall. Well, every expert on communism and the and Russia, without fail, agrees that the wall fell during Reagan's presidency because that's when the wall fell. It had been a process since they shut off Berlin and back in the... What was that? That these... Um, so I should know my history. Anyway, the point is, is that was one of those culmination events and Reagan took credit for it. Now, Reagan didn't screw it up, obviously. He he ramped up the Star Wars battle and he kept the pressure on, economic pressure on Russia, which further forced it to, to make a, a course change. And that's what every previous president to Trump had done to, basically, is that, uh, you know, with with North Korea, contain him, uh, negotiate with everybody, try to get China to stop helping him so much, which they continue to do. And then they did recently. They got to the... So anyway... They got to the nuclear phase they were looking for, thinking that was going to solve the problem, they're going to be a legitimate player. Turns out it did the opposite. It now made them from being an isolated kingdom, Kermit kingdom, to an isolated place where the rest of the world community is ready to take some serious action on this because now you can push out of your little world in a really big, dangerous way. And that is what all the experts and diplomats say is the reason that North Koreans and South Koreans have hit a critical mass bad choice of words, on uh, on on their relations and saying, no, nah, we got to talk. This has got to work. And so they're showing us how it's done. Thank God. And hopefully Donald Trump will just stay quiet, <laughs> at least on this topic. And not be taunted into some sort of tweet moment of narcissism that uh, self-aggrandizes. Well, actually, he can go ahead and take credit for it as long as he doesn't try to ruin what seems to be going on there. So that's nice. That's good news, right? Okay, I think so. Um, <laughs> but on our topic of, of 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 the racial tension and the, uh, the shithole comments. So... Two two major things happened. The first one was MLK Day was this weekend, right? And uh, I'll give you a little clip here. This is Ari Melber, NBC, did a little trip, little, little clip on what on how uh, he thought the president handled it.
2: President Trump spent today at his golf resort, which he did as well yesterday and the day before that. In fact, today marks the 94th day President Trump has visited one of his golf clubs. That's over 26 percent of all the days of his presidency. This day is a little different, though. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Congress designated this federal holiday as an official day of service. And a lot of other presidents in both parties have taken that seriously. President George W. Bush chose to greet children and volunteers at a school in Washington on an MLK Day. President Obama planted seeds for a garden and talked to students about service on MLK Day. President Trump going a different route. He wanted to go golf and promote his own golf club. Maybe he just didn't know what Martin Luther King Day is supposed to be about. I will now sign the proclamation making January 15th, 2018, the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday and encourage all Americans to observe this day with acts of civic work and community service in honor of Dr. King's extraordinary life. Maybe if you want to be charitable... He just didn't know what this whole day is about. He is new to politics, as his allies <laughs> often say. He just read it, though. But then, of course, we looked into it and saw that he had just literally signed the MLK Day proclamation on Friday <laughs> with all of those words about civic community service. Okay. Right. But maybe he just signed it without reading it. And encourage all Americans to observe <laughs> this day it right with now. acts of civic work there it is, and work. community service in honor of Dr. King's extraordinary life. And it was extraordinary he said indeed. said it twice. Extraordinary. So he did read it. But maybe he didn't understand it. Maybe he has a different interpretation of service and he thinks promoting his golf club counts. Maybe there was nobody there with the actual knowledge to explain to him why he shouldn't spend MLK Day doing self-promotion of his business at a golf resort.
3: As a matter of fact, at the King Center, we President refer to N-A-A-A-C-T. it as a day on, not a day off.
2: <laughs> right it's there. not a
3: day to hang out in the park or pull out the barbecue grill. Or golf. It's a day to do something to help someone else. Bottom line, you're doing something that benefits someone other than Yourself. yourself.
1: <laughs> That's the president of the LACP. and if you saw the video, there's Donald Trump standing right behind him, agreeing with it, agreeing, 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 and then he goes to the thing. So what happens on Fox News? They equivocate it. You know, I see my trump supporter friend saying, well, you know, the guy's entitled to golf, and they say, what do you mean? He golfed more than any president ever already. Yeah, yeah, but that's because the government runs itself, because he's cut it down to a lean machine, and it's like, okay, well, if you're dealing with somebody who believes all that, uh, that's what they're going to believe. But the rest of us know better. And that is a growing and increasing number, so much so that in um, in the Metropolitan Baptist Church in Maryland, Mike Pence was invited to come hear a service, or he went in there. And here's, in fact, here's the introduction from the, uh, the Pastor Maurice Watson.
3: We're particularly honored today to have the Vice President of the United States with us,
1: the Honorable Mike Pence, and his wife, Karen. Now, you can't see this next part, but Mike Pence was visibly red-faced when Pastor Maurice Watson talked about what happened in this discussion, these, these talks of calling Haiti shithole countries.
3: It is alleged that a hurtful, dehumanizing, visceral, Guttural yeah. ugly adjective that I care not to repeat in church. Yeah. Was allegedly used to characterize some of the nations of Africa. And a statement was made that we ought to welcome people from Norway. <laughs> More than we welcome people from Haiti. I stand today as your pastor to vehemently to this. denounce yes. and reject yes. such charactera- characterizations. Whoever said it is wrong. Yes. And they ought to be held accountable.: Mike Pence right there. You are old an apology, but you probably won't get one. No. even if you don't get one, I as your pastor and your metropolitan family will stand shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart and breast to breast with you as we
1: acknowledge your worth, your dignity, your humanness. Yeah, see, that's why I know America's in just fine shape, because when somebody does when Donald Trump says shithole, yes, there is two Americas. On Fox News, they have plausible deniability. A couple of Republicans there, Tom Cotton, pretended like I can't recall uh, any uh, language, and then they later said I'm not sure if it was shithole or shit house. Like that helped, right? And then they just ignore the part about that we prefer Norwegians over Haitians. And they, so you, if you want on your in your bubble to have credible people telling you that it didn't happen or it's fine, you'll have it. But the rest of us know what happened. Lindsey Graham was there. Dick Durbin was there, and they heard it. And they heard it multiple times. That's their words, which means multiple means more than two, y'all. So more than two times we referred to the shithole countries. And so it culminated. I love irony. I love serendipity because the universe, everything that and everything that happens to you is by no accident or coincidence. So Kirsten Nielsen, the director, of the, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security, DHS, uh, had was scheduled to be in front of the uh, Congress and spoke to the House and when she did uh, Cory Booker amongst other senators, this is Senator Cory Booker I should say they unloaded on her and uh, because she was in the room when he was making the shithole comments and uh, they, on the right, on the Fox News they call this theatrics and acting but if I, I tend to believe you can feel the versatile nature of this. Check it out.
0: The Commander-in-Chief in an Oval Office meeting, referring to people from African countries and Haitians with the most vile and vulgar language, the language festers when ignorance and bigotry is allied with power. It is a dangerous force in our country. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity. Right now, in our nation, we have a problem. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent on white supremacist hate groups, I don't know if 73% of your time is spent concerned about the people in fear in communities in this country, Sikh Americans, Muslim Americans, Black Americans. The fact pattern is clear of the threats in this country. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about this experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that pain, hurt and that pain and to dismiss some of the questions of my colleagues, saying I've already answered that line of questions when tens of millions of Americans are hurting right now because of what they're worried about, what happened in the White House. That's unacceptable to me.
1: Unacceptable.
0: There are threats in this country, people plotting. I receive enough death threats to know the reality. Kamala receives enough death threats to know the reality. Maisie receives enough death threats to know the reality. And I've got a president of the United States whose office I respect who talks about the country's origins of my fellow citizens. In the most despicable of manner. You don't remember. You can't remember the words of your uh, commander-in-chief. I find that unacceptable. Mr. Chairman, I'm grateful to be on this committee. I'm more than ever today happy I am here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and you see that? even ended with that dignity, too, and said, I am grateful to be on this committee because of the importance of being able to express that. And again, while the right wing said they're just out of control, he's just being theatrical and he's just, you know, like Ingram Laura Ingham said, if you say that, if you hear that and you can't feel it. And the way he was just describing, how can you not feel it? Then you're either a racist with all due respect or B, you just don't feel the racism. You don't see it. And you think, and your own victimhood is clouding your eyes, where you think, well, it's hard no, It's hard being a white guy. Remember, we heard this with the Trump election. It's really hard being a white guy. Yes, it is. There's a lot of white communities in the middle class and rural communities that have been hosed by rich white people. And so you got to look at where your actual enemies are. Your enemies aren't Muslims or black folks or Sikh folks or Latin folks or whatever, or Asian folks. It's It's... It's the people that are trying to take your livelihood away and concentrate wealth in their hands. But that's not what they're noticing. And by the way, one last thing. He said 73% of your time. What Cory Booker was referring to is that the Justice Department and under DHS are trying to say, well, we got to stop these foreign criminals. And statistically, they found, of course, as they analyze the data of what happens, with the terrorist attacks we've had in these last decades, 73% of the time, it's white people. We're Christians. So you're going after the born in America. Or 73% of the time it's 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 also born folks born here. It's not foreign, scary Haitians not from Norway. It's us. The enemy I have I seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. You gotta look inward, you gotta look around. And so this is happening though. And uh, my good friend, Executive Brian, we were talking about unacceptable. And the way Cory Booker said that, unacceptable. It's just, it's hard to live with this. But stay with it. We're going to get through it. And it's already growing, it's changing every minute. The country is awake. More than enough of the country is awake. But we just have to wait for due process. The unfortunate part of a democracy is due process. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been Possibility
0: Politics with Jeff Stein. Uh. The social, political, pop-cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.